0: to the view in your mirror podcast we are your hosts lisa rubin and katie harms from new moves to tried and true strategies we'll dissect the ways in which clothing and a little organization can and does affect your daily life come along as we hope to inspire engage and shape your rituals as well as your shapewear lisa rubin
1: katie harms
0: and good morning good morning we're back at it again. You have a fabulous connection to the Skin Sisters and reached out and they were kind enough to jump on board to join us on the podcast. So I'm super excited. I'm a little nervous. Why are you nervous, Katie? Well, because I'm, I'm not a good, I'm not a good, I have not done a good job over the years on skincare. I'm just going to tell you.
1: Well, maybe you'll learn something today and you can now from this day forward, do new things to protect your skin. I think that's, that sounds fabulous.
0: I just, I'm really scared. Am I going to have to throw everything out in my cabinet and start over? No,
1: you aren't. They're not like that. Great.
0: I'm excited to hear from them. Uh, We've had fabulous feedback on our podcasts. And I think the So, Lisa, have you gotten any feedback on the um, puppy dog reference? I mean, I being the Labrador that I am. uh, And me
1: being the standard poodle? Yes. Yes. Actually, I have. A very good friend of mine said, Lisa, I don't think you're a standard poodle. I think you're a pit bull. I said, excuse me? And she said, Lisa, you don't really understand the personality of a pit bull. Pitbulls can get aggressive if that's how they're trained. But if they're not trained to be aggressive, they're very loving and they have a big heart and they want to just make people feel good. I said, okay, well, I'm okay with all of those, but I am not a pitbull.
0: Well, but are you a pitbull in all of those other things? Maybe you actually are a pitbull. And maybe that's a wonderful thing about mixed breeds. Have they ever bred a standard poodle with a pitbull? I don't know. Maybe
1: I am a mixed breed. <laughs> I don't know. I'll have to think about that. I definitely know I'm a mixed breed. (laughs) Yes, you definitely are a mixed breed. You're definitely a Labrador. You know, I, I think uh, maybe I'm a Labradoodle. Labradoodle. Maybe. I don't know you could be you don't have curly well you do have curly hair actually I do
0: have curly hair yes and uh well sometimes it sheds and sometimes it doesn't so we've gone way off off kilter on this um what I am right now is a very happy grandma
1: I know Katie congratulations I am just so happy for you And I know you told me he's perfect. He is. hopefully in the next, you know, three, four months, we can get our daughters together because my daughter is also due this month. Exactly. Hopefully we can get us all together and our daughters can finally meet for the first time. I think it's going to
0: happen. And I I think it will be wonderful. And huge congratulations to our daughter, Danielle, and her husband, TJ, on the birth of their first child and our first grandson. So we're very happy to have our family growing and... We're madly in love with this little guy already. And you are not many days away from being a grandma for the very first time. And I'm telling you, there is no better club in the world.
1: That's what I've been told. So I'm waiting to join the club. You will be a fantastic addition to that club. I'm and- trying to figure out my name. So that's to be determined. I have well, several options. Question: well, tell me, Do you want to share what the options are? No, not yet. Because okay. I told my daughter the other day that when I look into my new grandchild's eyes. I will then decide. Oh,
0: okay. That's a new way to look at.
1: It. I love it. Whatever that feeling is, that makes a lot but of The fact of the matter is once this child can talk, they're going to decide what my name is. Well, that's what I've always said too, is they'll, they'll name me. So
0: but you are going to be called something by your kids and and how you arrive at that i think that's part of the story so we'll have to see we'll have to see how you arrive or what you arrive at that'll be for a future podcast in the meantime talking about eyes and skin and all sorts of wonderful things that we need really good information on and truly one of the topics that your clients ask you about all the time right skin
1: yeah and you know, we haven't talked about that on our podcast yet. We've talked about a lot of things, but skincare has, hasn't been talked about. And I just thought we, I just thought having the Skin Sisters is a perfect team to talk about that because they really know their stuff.
0: Well, what I love about women embracing other women is building them up and celebrating their successes. These are two young women who
1: you have known for a very long time. Yes, I have. I actually have known both of them since they were born. And I've watched them grow up into fabulous women And I'm just so proud and so honored that I can have them on this podcast. That's fantastic. Let's get right into it. We are so excited to welcome the Skin Sisters
0: to our podcast. We have a lot to talk about in the month of Skin Cancer Awareness. Welcome, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. You sound so much alike. So I think we're just going to have to go with it. And people are going to have to figure out who's Brooke and who's Lauren when you're talking. Or are we going to know just, are, is your personality going to come through in our conversation?
2: So the funny- I think our personality will. <laughs> For, okay. sure. For sure. The funny thing is that we share so many patients and sometimes they don't even know the difference. Like even seeing us in
3: person, they, they'll say, we've met before. <laughs> well- Especially now with masks. It yeah. it adds this whole other layer. Like you'll find that someone's being almost like overly cautiously polite or or acting like, Do I know you, but I don't know you? And I always say, like, I, I noticed that you met my sister a few months ago. <laughs> <It> gives them <laughs> some ease. You can counter it. Yes, yes, yes. Speaking of masks,
2: that's wreaked havoc on skincare. Absolutely. So maskne is like a big thing Mask me but it almost is like maskne is like all-encompassing it's like people refer to acne from masks but also kind of like rashes it's kind of just like that irritant acne type stuff that goes on under the mask and it's especially as we're like getting out more, some people who weren't wearing masks all day are now wearing masks because they're going to the grocery store again and, or maybe they're going, you know, wherever socializing. And it's something we, we hear from our patients and on Instagram every day, people have questions about it.
0: Your Instagram, you are the skin sisters, the skin sisters on Instagram is fabulous. And what I love is you just give really practical advice. I think for me, being a woman of a certain age, I probably wasn't great about my skincare ever. <laughs> so there's still time for me to learn and, and change some behavior. And I love that you're not saying, oh, you have to use this
1: regime or this regime. You're giving really practical advice. I think it's Thank a fantastic you. Instagram account. I recommend it to my clients daily. You can go on and the practical advice, anybody can get information from it.
3: We focus the Instagram account with the idea. So we have another sister who does not work in the field of skincare, dermatology and. We kind of focus our messaging around the notion that we feel everyone should have the same access to high quality skincare and product advice as our little sister does.
2: Oh, oh
0: that's awesome. How like did that. you guys get
2: started? How did you get started? So it's funny working in dermatology, we get a lot of questions from family and friends. Like I met Target, I'm going to Mexico tomorrow, which sunscreen should I get? Or what's the best value for eye cream? And there was a specific day, it was a few years ago and it was springtime and Brooke and I were at my house. And it was like one of those nights when our phone was just blowing up text after text with skincare questions. And our husbands had kind of dubbed us the skin sisters in the past. And we kind of thought in that moment, like this information everyone wants it kind of like what you need to know, actually, that maybe you wouldn't make an appointment for but the little questions that everyone has, and we thought you shouldn't have to have our phone number in order to get that information. And we kind of just like in on a whim decided to start this Instagram account as a place for that information to live. And I don't know that we ever intended to grow it or become or use, you know, have it become its own business outside of our practice but it just kind of grew organically because I think the, the mission of making skincare easy to understand really resonated with a lot of people.
0: It absolutely does. So let's talk about it holistically for a second, because am I right? Your skin is the largest organ on your body. That's correct. The osmosis of medical training from my husband, the doc has crept in a little bit, but being that it's the largest organ on your body and being that I'm a person of a certain age and, and Lisa's following fast behind me. Thank you. What is the best thing that we can do
3: for our skin? Wear sunscreen without question. There's a reason that you hear and see every skincare doctor, PA, nurse, esthetician, everyone tell you the best thing you can do for your skin is to wear sunscreen is because it's true. The cumulative effect of sun over time damages the DNA of the cells of your skin. We can talk about aging. We can talk about skin cancers. The very number one thing that you can do to protect and take care of your largest organ is to wear sunscreen every single day.
2: At any age, you know, even starting in in teenagers or always just wear sunscreen, but like this is something we're counseling everyone on.
1: But there's so many different kinds of sunscreen, right? Like you can go to the store and you see this wall of sunscreen and there's really, really cheap sunscreen and there's really, really expensive sunscreen. As somebody that has no idea what would be the best, for your skin, what are the things you need to look for?
2: So there's two basic kind of sunscreens. There's physical sunscreens, which think about like a sweatshirt, right? The sun can't get through the sweatshirt to your skin. And then there's a chemical sunscreen and that absorbs the UV rays and spits them out. So they work in slightly different ways. Physical sunscreens work the best given our choice. We'd have all, everyone using a physical sunscreen They last longer. They work better. They're better for if you're prone to pigmentation, but some people just don't like them. So really our message is find a sunscreen that you like And wear it so whatever sunscreen you like the texture of the scent of it fits your budget, we certainly have our favorites. But if there's one that you love, that's the right sunscreen. And interestingly, all sunscreens, whether you're talking about a luxury $100 product, or the, you know, generic drugstore brand, they all have to hit those same FDA or, you know, the standards to to get approved for their sun protection level in the United States here.
1: So if it says SPF 30, you know that they had to go through some some rules, regulations, policies to be able to put that on their bottle. Exactly. Oh, I didn't know that.
0: Okay. So then the rest of it is the filler and what what
3: you're what you're gravitating to is the smell or the texture or all of that that's in the filler. Exactly. And we do recommend, Lisa, I'm glad you brought up that point about the actual number of sunscreen. We do recommend if you know you like a specific brand and that brand's specific line, and it's offered in a 15, a 30, a 45, and a 55, choose the 55. You do get more protection with a higher number. The very minimum that we do recommend is 30. And we also encourage, you know, reapplication throughout the day. It can seem silly and it has been a more difficult message to manage during this time when people are at home and not driving places and not going on vacations and whatnot, but even just through your windows, through your car windows, going from your house to your car, your car to the post office or whatever, you're getting cumulative sun damage. So, so to make it easy for daily kind of mindless application of sunscreen, because who needs another thing to think about on Honestly, is if you just keep your sunscreen right next to your toothpaste or your toothbrush, you do your first application in the morning. Then there are lots of different products like powder sunscreens that we really like for reapplication throughout the day so that it doesn't feel goopy or look goopy. And you can just kind of spritz it on or powder it on. And um, it just makes it a really easy way to keep your skin protected all day long.
0: Okay, now that's two things I've never known a thing about, a spritz and a powder sunscreen. I know you don't, there's a lot of brands
3: out there, but can you, can you give us one or two that are, that we should be looking at, or do you not want to do that? I'm happy to share my recommendations. I'm sure Lauren, you are too. I really like the color science. It's called their sun forgettable powder sunblock. It, I believe it was the first to market as a powdered mineral sunscreen. I'm not positive, but I'm fairly certain they have it in a variety of different skin tones as well as clear. I really like that product. And then super goop, has, I believe they marketed it as like a makeup setting spray, but it's really just a facial mist with SPF in it.
1: I love super goop. Me too. I love it. It it doesn't feel like you have sunscreen on.
0: Okay. I'm a former lifeguard back eons ago. I am blessed with a lot of skin pigments. So I've, I rarely have I I ever burned now. Vitamin D are, We've all heard about needing vitamin D and all of that. And if you've got the sunscreen on, how do you balance that? Is it, am I now taking a vitamin D supplement for my skin as well and not worrying about, okay, I got to get some natural sunlight to get the vitamin D production? So
2: there's so many points that we can use to answer that truthfully. Yes, especially all four of us live in Minnesota, right? We, you know, we don't get enough vitamin D, we should be taking a D3 supplement. But even with wearing sun protection, first of all, in a perfect world, sun protection would work just that well, right, where you don't get any UV rays. But truthfully, there's air in application, there's air in reapplication. And you do end up getting that vitamin D from the sun. Most of us um, during the summer months when we're spending time outside. Also, you hardly need any sun exposure to to get that vitamin D. So if you're taking a supplement, if you're spending time outdoors while protecting your skin, it's really not something that is on our radar as a a concern. Sunscreen certainly should not impede your absorption of vitamin D.
0: Okay, good to know. I feel much better about that and getting on my kids when they're not their... actually they're really good about it it's the spouses that we need to worry about men tend to think
2: oh I don't really need that so there's some it's funny because we are talking about our favorite like powder formulations and I have a formulation that I call my men and sunscreen hater formulation <laughs> because men just hate sunscreen they want something like super lightweight super easy so there's a brand they're so they're picky they're picky more than
3: <laughs> anyone
1: else <laughs> oh for sure yes that's so- one of our bigger arguments or discussions we have is the sunscreen discussions. So
2: Elta MD makes some really awesome lightweight formulations that the men like, I tend to to recommend that quite a bit. They don't like putting lotion
1: on their skin like that bothers them. Is there like a spray or something?
2: So sprays are totally fine. I mean, a lot of people say like, you know, that's a question we get often are sprays okay. And spray sunscreens are great. You said you like supergoop, they make an amazing spray that dries really nicely. But the key is not just do that quick spritz you know over your face the key is to like spray it close to your skin in an area that doesn't have wind so it all gets on your skin rub it in then and only then do you actually have that advertised protection
1: that makes sense We're going to have to, I have one more question on the sunscreen and then we can move forward. How about your scalp? Like women who, you know, get their hair blown out and they, you know, they don't want to ruin their hair and all the product in their hair, but yet you still have your scalp that you need to protect. Do you have a product or do you have something that you'd recommend? Because I think that's
3: really important. I use the same powder sunscreen that I use for my facial reapplication on my part and on my hairline, because it does, to be honest, it kind of feels icky to squeeze like, a lotion or a jello yeah or something. yeah yeah and while those products will protect well and if you're at the beach it's no harm no foul but on a regular day I just use the powder sunscreens it's so quick and easy especially the ones that are translucent you just tap them on and then massage them right in it's almost like a dry shampoo too I was just
2: gonna say maybe it's like a dry shampoo <laughs> okay hats are in this year like you're gonna be seeing bucket hat I mean Lisa I don't need to tell you right the- right hats are the in cats are in so don't be shy about actually protecting your scalp that way
0: well, and then if you wear your hat and it puts your hair down a little bit, then you got a dry shampoo or you got your powder that you put on afterwards. So, you know, there are workarounds to being able to be very safe in the sun. All right. So for those of us who have maybe not had all the best um, track record in wearing the sunscreens and doing all of that, let's talk about the real
3: serious matter of skin checks. Absolutely. Everyone, regardless of your age or your skin History, you everyone should be getting one skin check every single year. And if you're someone who's had a family history, a personal history of, you know, some advanced skin damage, certainly skin cancers or precancers, you should potentially be getting checked more than once a year, which is a conversation to have with your skincare provider. The exams are really quick and easy. People have a lot of anxiety about having them um, because I think we're sort of the only area of medicine where we're really looking at. Everything In a skin exam, we look from the part of your hair to in between your toes, your nails, and everywhere in between. It's the only way to really screen for skin damage. And we know that when skin cancers and precancers, etc., are caught early, they are much, much more easy to treat. Better prognosis, better cosmetic results, everything. So the skin exam in itself takes, I don't know, two to three minutes, maybe. I've never timed mine, but uh, they're very quick. And it's just a a visual exam. If something needs to be treated, then it's treated in the appropriate manner, but it's usually pretty quick and easy.
0: And let's face it, even with the best full length mirror, we
3: can't see all these spots on ourselves. (laughs) We just, well, yeah. And not only that, the average person is probably not trained to identify something that could be concerning. So, you know, maybe you've noticed the proverbial, you have, have noticed a red spot on your arm and it's not changing and it's, always been there and you know, you're just kind of keeping an eye on it, but you go to the dermatologist or your dermatology PA or whoever provides your care and they're trained to know, okay, this is a type of basal cell carcinoma that shows up and it doesn't really change. And it just kind of sits there. So we do recommend, or what I recommend is like the first of the month when you hop out of the shower, take a scan of your skin so that you know what is there. That's a really important part of skin health so that you can know what's changing, what's, you know, looking different, but it is important to get your skin in front of the eyes of a trained individual so that we can see with the trained eye, what might be concerning.
0: Let me ask you this. How hard is it to get into a good dermatologist? You two are both physician's assistants, specifically trained in this area. Are you taking new clients? What's the best way to get into a new person if you don't have someone?
2: So the really the best way, if you don't have a dermatology provider, we recommend checking with your primary care doctor. They'll know your skin, they'll know your risk level, they'll be able to get you to the right dermatology provider. I'm currently not taking patients for full body checks, and Brooke is in one of her locations.
0: All right, good to know. We're going to take a little break. We love Rustica Bakery. We Who doesn't love Rustica Bakery? And they are our fabulous sponsor. So we're going to go take a little break and listen to all wonderful things about Rustica. Be back. We have a lot more to talk about i want to talk about collagen and how that plays in sounds good back in a moment on the view in your mirror podcast we love sharing our personal favorites rustica bakery is high on that list and we know you're going to agree Rustica has two locations, they're original at 3224 West Lake Street in Minneapolis across from Calhoun Commons and Whole Food Market, and Southdale Center next to Lifetime, where you'll enter without even going into the mall. Both have ample parking, either online or in-store, bread, breakfast, dessert, treats, a menu sure to allow you to find a personal favorite in no time. Online ordering is a breeze and curbside pickup is an option. Available in-store only are savory menu items. Think, grab and go for lunch or enjoy them there. Brunch items are offered Friday through Sunday. My personal favorite is the Take and Bake Cookies, available online or in-store. Truly a capstone for any get-together and in just 15 minutes from package to plate, a memory to make. We highly suggest you always have these in your freezer. Rusticabakery.com. Find the food and drink you adore or try something new. Rustica Bakery puts the love shown by their customers back into every item baked. At Rustica, you're among favorites. And we are back with the Skin Sisters, Lauren and Brooke. So you went to PA school. You're both PAs. How did you both end up specializing in the same area?
2: So I, this is Lauren. I went to PA school a long time ago And I think you'll find Brooke's Brooke's story really interesting. So I'll let her share it because mine was like the typical older sister story. Like I went to undergrad, I had shadowed a dermatologist. I went to PA school from day one. I was like, sign me up for the dermatology rotation. That's all I'm interested in. And then I ended up doing a dermatology rotation and then working in that office for five years. Like I just knew from the start, that's what I wanted. And then I'll let Brooke take over.
3: We're we're a study in birth order. So <laughs> this is Brooke and Lauren is our firstborn in our family, and I am secondborn. We're just a year apart. We went to the same college. I worked in PR on both coasts for several years, um, and then went to the PA school. But only after having explored a career and um, getting a master's in public health and working in India, and you know, obviously Lauren influenced my decision to pursue dermatology. I was moving to a city after graduating from PA school that I knew I would be in for just a year. And she said, well, just try it out. I wanted to be in the ER, you know, like overnight, every night doing all this awesome stuff. And she's like, just try dermatology. If you like it, you'll love it. If you don't like it, when you move in a year, you'll get your job in ER. And I was hired by a Mohs surgeon who focused almost exclusively on skin cancers and loved it. And here we are, we've been job sharing kind of ever since we're working together.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. Well, and and both of you are busy moms, you have lives outside of what you're doing. So I have to believe dermatology has been a good choice to be able to juggle all of those things
2: right we you know it it's nice it's as a pa in general especially in the field of dermatology we are so busy at work we absolutely love what we do but then when we're done with the day we can move on to being a mom except then we started a social media company that totally took <laughs> off and now <laughs> that
3: does not apply. Now it's all the time.
2: (laughs) Well,
0: what's that they say about if you want to get something done, ask a busy person. So then what gets pushed to
3: the side most of the time? Hobbies. I think for me, this is Brooke. I mean, I think back and just in the past year, I've become a mom of two. Lauren's been a mom of two for six years. Like I would make these elaborate dinners every night. And now I think, What on earth, like what sort of reality was I living in where I could do that every (laughs) night? Because I just can't anymore. So I think my hobby of cooking has had to take a little bit of a backseat.
0: Well, I'd say you were living in your reality at the time, which is (laughs) bravo. And it'll come back, right? I mean, I think that's been the beauty in the in even for us doing this podcast. Lisa, can you imagine having done this podcast if they were doing podcasts 20 years ago? And maybe they were, I don't know, but. (laughs) Doing something like this, just to have, it comes at the time that it's supposed to happen.
1: Right. Timing is everything.
0: Yeah, it really is. So So getting back to talking about our skin, um, one of the things that I've noticed, and again, I'm such an experiential person and I'm a visual person and all of that, but there's a lot of talk about collagen right now. And every morning
2: I put collagen powder in my coffee. Is it doing me any good? So that's an interesting question because... If we were sitting here 4 or 5 years ago, I would have said no. Like there's no evidence that it helps. You're throwing away your money. Use it if you want. It's not harmful, but it's not helping. Over the last few years, there's been there've been a few studies that have come out saying like maybe it does help. You know, and it's not necessarily like cut and dry this makes a huge difference for this this or this, but we're finding that it may have a positive effect on your skin, hair, and nails. And the truth is that our patients, some of them, not all, but our patients are saying, we love this. We find that our skin looks better or whatever it is. So as long as it's not dangerous, and especially if you like the habit of doing that, a lot of people do, you know, it's part of the morning routine. There's nothing wrong with it. I will say, I personally, this is Lauren. I don't think it's like a critical part. Like I have some critical things that like every patient who comes to me that wants to talk about anti-aging or skin health, like we need to touch these topics. That's not one of them. And frankly, I don't use it myself because I don't like the taste of any that I've tried, but I think it's an okay thing that we're going to be
3: hearing a lot more of. This is Brooke. I use the vanilla vital proteins, collagen powder every day. Um, The brand really graciously last summer gifted it to us and I actually really liked it. And so for me, it's, it's like, I wasn't able at that time to do to be honest, like all the skincare that I was used to having a newborn at that time, but having a coffee was something that I just would not negotiate upon. And so I felt like putting that one scoop of collagen powder, I thought, okay, this is definitely not harming me. And it looks like from the research, it could really be helping my skin, hair and nails. And I like how it tastes. So I'm going to do it.
1: You think it's actually helped your skin, hair and nails? Like, do you see a difference it's like- really
3: difficult to know exactly like which thing is doing what when you're using a lot of things. So in this, like for me, I use, when I think about like my hair and nail health right now, I take a vitamin for it specifically, and I do the collagen powder. And then I have a ton of skincare, obviously. So like I said, and like Lauren was saying, I know it's not harming me and I'm happy with how things are looking. And I like the ritual of it. So why not do it?
0: You guys are very busy moms. And obviously you have your regimes that you are tried and true and you know, work over time. Talk for a minute to the person who has time for about two steps. What are those most important? And Lauren, you talked about it too, when people come in and and talk about the critical things, what are the critical things? So if you can only do two things, those critical things are this. And if you want to add the third thing you have time for, Give me a little step by step.
2: This is easy because this is kind of how Brooke and I approach skincare, truthfully. Like we aren't fans of the 10 steps. Don't get all the extra stuff unless you find it super fun. You know, if it's interesting and fun for you, then go for it. But we are realists and so many of the people that we care for just have busy careers, have busy families, don't want to dedicate that time. So we do kind of like to hone in on what really works. I'm going to take a little Liberty. And I'm going to say that we do two things in the morning and two things in the evening. But I really think that the critical things, if we're talking about both anti-aging and skin health in the morning, it's going to be using an antioxidant, for example, vitamin C, which is going to both repair, help with skin texture, help with brown spots, and mostly protect your skin against collagen breakdown and then sunscreen. So antioxidants and sunscreen in the morning. The third thing is going to be part of the evening routine. And that would be using a retinol in the evening. Retinols and the prescription causing retinoids, they regulate your skin cell turnover. So they keep those skin cells turning over, which from an aging perspective, regulates the collagen production, helps to produce healthy collagen in your skin, helps to improve you know the elast- elasticity, helps to improve the skin texture and tone. Um, but also helps to keep your skin healthy. It can get rid of some of that actinic sun damage over time that can lead to the development of precancers. Um, so those would be the three things. And then I would say if we're doing two in the morning, two in the evening, throw a moisturizer over the retinol, cause it can be a little drying.
0: Well, it doesn't sound
2: too difficult. It's, it's simple. We're time consuming. <laughs> it's not, it, it should be easy. It should be enjoyable and fun. Um, and it really shouldn't be a big expense. We are huge proponents of spending in a couple key areas. And then really, everything else should certainly, you know, fit any budget.
1: So adding on to that, my clients even ask me, and I have no idea. But everyone's like, Lisa, I need an eye cream. I don't like the puffiness around my eyes. Like, should I put ice cubes on? it? I'm like, I don't know. But is there something you can suggest for eye creams? Because there's so many out there, and I think half of them don't work, because I've tried a lot of them, or some suggestions you can make
3: for eye cream. There are, like you said, a whole host of eye creams out there. I think about it, this is Brooke, in two silos. One, if someone just wants or needs moisture, and they don't have significant concerns about lines and wrinkles, brown spots, aging, loss of volume, pick anything. Pick CeraVe hydrating eye cream that costs you know twelve dollars or whatever, and use it twice a day. That's easy. There are more nuances to picking your eye cream when there are more concerns like you know loss of volume. I personally like to use and do recommend eye creams with peptides and growth factors in them. I like to use those in the morning. Uh, Skin Medica has a great one that we carry in our office. It's like a gold standard product and it's super effective. And it's actually a product that my husband uses. So I know that it's upper echelon in terms of how it feels. And then like Lauren was saying earlier, using a retinol product. So now there are really high quality eye creams that have retinol and retinoid in them. And they can be really helpful at preventing teeny tiny fine lines from becoming deeper lines and preventing new fine lines from occurring. And revision is a brand that we also carry and are just so, so impressed with. We both use their DEJ eye cream. Which is, I will say the best eye cream I've seen for
2: brightening dark circles, which is the number one concern I hear. The DEJ. but It's great for dark circles.
0: Okay. So the other day I'm at my hair salon and my gal, I've been going to her for quite a while. She's fabulous. And we're talking about skincare and she had nothing but good things to say about you. And we talked about some other people we knew in the industry and just the importance of actually going in. She's much younger than I am. And we're talking about Botox and fillers and all of those things. Years ago, somebody had said to me, well, if you, if you use fillers, let's just say you use fillers in your forehead or you use Botox in your forehead wherever you put that Botox, the energy of your face still needs to move. So it's going to cause other areas to move and change as well. Made sense to me, but I thought, okay, I really need to ask you guys about that. And also when is the appropriate time? If you're thinking about fillers and Botox to think about doing is, is it better when you have less in terms of facial lines? So that kind of back to that point of, does it change things? And there's
2: 18 questions in here, I feel like. And then when is it too much? I'll start and Brooke can kind of take over when I inevitably start rambling.
3: (laughs) Which I just did on the question. We could (laughs) talk about this all day. Uh,
1: You just just hit the red button.
0: I know, how much time? (laughs) Warning, warning, okay. (laughs)
2: So the the kind of middle question you asked, I think is the good jumping off point. And that's when is the right time to start doing Botox or Dysport or fillers or whatnot. And as far as Botox goes, and there's kind of a lot of backstory, like it's not quite so simple, right? But Botox, just from the simplest perspective, decreases overactive muscle activity, right? So muscle activity, like lifting your brows a million times a day that leads to horizontal lines at rest. For example, so the right time to start using Botox, and this isn't an ideal world, right? But the best time is before you get those lines. So you notice that you have a habit of maybe frowning your brows together, or you have a habit of, of lifting your eyebrows a lot. And you're, you know, noticing that throughout the day, you're doing this a lot using really, really light Botox to just help you fall out of that habit. And then those lines never develop, right? That's an ideal scenario we're talking about usually in your thirties. However, many people come to us and they're in their late thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, seventies, and they might have some lines at rest, which is great. We are not into no lines. We are not into no movement, but there's a difference between having a few lines because you're smiling and happy and have lived a wonderful life and having deep, deep frown lines that make you look angry. And, and that's not a desirable look. So. That over time, if you stop the overactive muscle activity, that's leading to the development of those lines and you really decrease the strength of those muscles then, and with proper skincare, like we discussed antioxidants and retinols, they can help stimulate collagen to actually fill in those lines. Once you rest movement in that area. And over time you can actually repair those deep lines. So those are kind of two examples of ways that we use Botox like at different times in your life. And I guess my point is that the ideal time is before you ever get a line, but there's really no like wrong time to start. Sometimes just approach might be different.
0: I love what you said about not trying. I mean, I feel like some of this, the lines I've earned, they're my lifelines, my laugh lines, my, and those are good things.
2: Totally. We often, I'll have patients come in and And I, you know, both of us, and we're treating them for one area. And they're like, well, I really want to treat around my eyes. My friend did it It looks great. And I, I will say like, I don't think you should, you know, you don't have big, deep lines. You have these cute little crow's feet that look great on you. And we're not interested in changing the way you look. We're just trying to make you and trying to help guide you towards looking like your best self. Like you woke up and it's your best day. You had a great night's sleep. You're hydrated. You're looking great. And we're preventing lines from developing at rest, kind of preventing and, and helping you age gracefully. That makes so much sense. When someone gets to the point of too much,
0: because we've all seen it, we've all seen it, especially if you spend any time in LA,
1: <laughs> or or when you've seen the lips. I I sometimes say, my God, if she goes to a high altitude, her lips are going to explode. <laughs> <Okay>.
3: <laughs> there is, there does seem to be, you know, like a tipping point, and everyone has their own. Idea of what is beautiful and everyone feels beautiful in different ways. So, what I might see on someone walking down the street as oh my gosh, overfilled, over Botoxed, over whatever, that person might feel like that day is the most beautiful day of their life. So, that's that always is something you have to take into account when you're working in the industry of aesthetics and skincare. Lauren and I don't kind of subscribe to the notion that you need to change yourself to feel beautiful. It's really about kind of optimizing who you already are, understanding the person, understanding their goals, and then gently guiding them through our expertise to a natural result. I'd say time and time again, that helps people to just like actualize their own beauty from within. I don't know if that actually answers the question. It's just such a hot topic. And it makes me feel a little bit like sad when you see people who are obviously so augmented and so out of their natural kind of path, because there are ways for everyone to feel beautiful without going there.
2: Without. I, anything- Lauren's been
3: doing my Botox since I was 23 or 24 and like that has helped me to feel really great about myself, and I have no shame about you know shouting it from the rooftops. But have I asked her to put you know like a thousand syringes of filler in my face to to do one thing? No. I
2: think also to your point, Brooke. Well, first of all, let me back up and say that that's it's a lot about choice of who you see, right? So make sure your injector has a look that you can relate to and that you're, you, you think they look good. Right. And then often like last night I was at a meeting and someone said, can I come in and treat just here? I hate this line. And I'm like, yeah, but there's more to the discussion because we might have to treat here all, you know, like if you're talking about treating just between the brows, but then there's a forehead muscle right next to it. That if we had just a few units to, you might look a little more natural. And so really it's all about having that open discussion And then to Brooke's point about feeling great with Botox, another thing, something we really love is that if you're doing Botox, you're using great skincare, you're doing chemical peels, it's something little that you're doing every day, maybe you're coming in for Botox quarterly, but then maybe you feel like you don't have to wear makeup or you feel like you could, you know, more confident your skincare routine, your, excuse me, your makeup routine every day is just simpler and you can actually be low maintenance by taking these steps to keep your skin healthier.
0: That's fabulous. One, you know, we are the view in your mirror. That's the name of our podcast. And when we talked about doing this, it really started of what are the things that you do in your daily life that, that make you feel the best. So best version of yourself, the best version of yourself, because you're the only you, right? And so I think that's the hardest part for me to see is when people I know or people I don't know, but I've known them, and they their looks do change tremendously because of what they've the choices that they've made to use fillers or use Botox, and that's the saddest thing to me. I mean, I've seen. And I'm not anti anything. People have to do, as you said, what makes them feel great. I have friends who have had facelifts and feel great about them. And even in that realm have done them in such a subtle way that they still look like themselves. We're not going to, our, our bodies are magnificent and they change so much. And over a lifetime, you're going to, gain weight and you're going to lose weight and how you keep it all in perspective. And we are our own worst critic, right? Back to my beautiful stylist who is talking about uh, a small little something that, and we had then had this conversation about when I see people, I see the whole, the total of the people. When we see ourselves, for me, it's these lines across the top of my lips. And I have funny stories about fillers, let me tell you. And I'm very honest about overdoing them once upon a time in my life. And my kids still, I mean, it's it's family fodder, right? Years ago, I was in my early 40s. And we had moved to a small town and it was when clinics uh, were just starting and one of the family practice, a couple of family practice docs had opened a, a clinic and s- said, come in. So I thought I'd try it. Well, and my message was, I want it to look so natural, so natural that nobody will even know. I'll just know when I look at myself and the woman who was doing the injecting was quite plump lipped. And I couldn't say to her, I don't want to look like you because you know we're in Minnesota and that just wouldn't be right. (laughs) Right. And so I kept stressing, just like whatever you think, cut it in half, right? So I came out of there and my mom was coming to visit. We're sitting at dinner before she got there. And my middle daughter, who's the most aware (laughs) at that time, said, Mom, what did you do to your lips? My youngest daughter, who's you know, eating dinner says, "What? I don't notice anything different." And my my middle daughter says, "Are you nuts? Sure? Like her lips look like there's little balloons in there." And yeah. I said, "Well, you know what? I just i it'll calm down. We're just not going to say a word to Grandma about this." My mom walks in the door, hugs everybody, says hello to everybody, turns and looks at me and says, "What did you do to your face?" <laughs> so clearly. Uh, I wore a hat for many days after that. And it eventually, I mean, we're talking months because this was with me a long time. and And thank God my friends were kind enough to not say, holy crap, what'd you do to your face? You know, that's only a mom can do that. But it was, it bothered me. And then it was something that I had to live with for many months until it settled down. And I did have it done one more time and beautifully. And I felt great about it. And so I think that's the, that's the key to the
3: right person, right? Having the right person do the injecting. Exactly. And that's actually a way that Instagram overall has kind of disrupted the beauty and aesthetics industry. You know, you can go on, we don't personally share before and afters. That's not like what we're about, but a lot of people are choosing their injectors based on what they see on Instagram or social media and see like. Okay, is, is their aesthetic something that matches with my personal beauty goals? It's been very interesting.
2: And people will come in and, and they'll say, I've always been so nervous to try X, Y, or Z, but you and Brooke look so natural and youthful. And I, you know, I knew I'd be in the right hands.
0: Well, you're amazingly beautiful women anyway. So, and again, you are just seeing this bright light that comes out of you since we've been doing a, a lot of our podcasts through zoom, we get the benefit of being actually able to see you when we're recording this and then our, we take our audio and produce down from there. So this truly has been a gift. Lisa had a very great question. I think it's probably the last yes, question we have time for. Before- no,
1: we have two. We have two questions. Oh, two. You're right. We have two. Okay. So hit it, Lisa. Um, is there a proper way to pop a zit?
2: <laughs> no, don't do it. The truth is that we'll give you some of our favorite tips for handling a zit. How's that? But
1: Yeah, that would be good because people are pickers. There's lots of pickers.
2: Without a doubt. And I'm a former picker. I get it. But the truth is that picking your zit, if you do nothing, that zit might go away, say four days. If you pop it or pick it, you're causing a lot more inflammation on the skin, which takes a lot more time to go away. You're looking at a week or two now, right? You didn't actually solve the problem. You just changed the problem and potentially increasing your risk of scarring because there's more inflammation on your skin. So Brooke and I have uh, two really good tips. One of my favorites is to actually put a little ice cube on it. And the same thing with ratchet, rashes that you can't stop itching. It kind of like gives you another sensation, causes some basal constriction. And then we have a little cocktail that you can get from the drugstore. Mix together a little over-the-counter benzoyl peroxide and over-the-counter hydrocortisone. This is not for everyday long-term use, but you can do it twice a day for two or three days to kill the bacteria and decrease inflammation on that zit. We also, if you're local or wherever you live, you can see your germ provider for what's called a cortisone injection, where we take teeny little needle and inject an anti-inflammatory medicine directly into the zit, which usually shrinks it within 24 hours.
1: So anyone that's gonna have a wedding or a big day and all of a sudden they get this huge zit in the middle of their chin, or they're gonna speak on a webinar, both of those things they could do to not, Pick the zit, and then it would go away.
3: Absolutely,
0: and we all know what happens if you pick it. Sometimes it just makes it so much worse. And then, yeah, but people are like so
1: freaked out about it, and then (laughs) then they put on like heavy makeup, and then you can see that worse. So, I I really thank you for that suggestion. Of course, fabulous. All right, now what's your what's your last? Well, now we're gonna completely switch gears. What is your lucky piece in your wardrobe? Do you have a certain piece in your wardrobe that you're like, I'm going to put that on today because that makes me feel so great and so confident?
3: Oh my gosh. I have a jumpsuit that I recently wore to work and it was the first time I had been able to wear it since having my baby and being pregnant. And it's this matching set from the couples Sport And it has just this kind of like funky, wild pattern. And I feel so great wearing it. And that's the first thing that comes to mind or a pair of really great shoes. Like, I don't know. I feel really great in, in lots of things, but I think the jumpsuit or like Marion Parks shoes, they're so comfortable and they're so stylish. Those always make me feel really great. Lauren, what is, what is yours?
2: I. I mean, I don't know that I have like a lucky piece, but I think it's really like what you said about like the things I feel really good in. Like yesterday we did a TV segment and Brooke showed up wearing a pattern and I was like, I'm wearing a pattern too, sorry. You know, like spring is here, I'm wearing florals. I feel really great when I'm wearing spring colors or lately like wearing like the high waist paper bag kind of trend, I feel, you know, like I look super fit and I'm very comfortable So I would say just things that build up my confidence. And then like Brooke mentioned shoes, even if we're doing a TV segment where my shoes definitely aren't showing, like right now I'm wearing one of my favorite pairs of Veronica Beard slides that I just love. And, you know, so it's, shoes don't always show, but they kind of make you feel complete and professional. And like, I have my act together. Here we go. So I have a few favorite pairs of shoes that kind of make me feel that way.
1: Those are great answers because one of the things I talk about with clients who have been working from home and doing Zoom calls all day, I'm like, go in your closet and put on your favorite pair of shoes because you just feel better when you have them on your feet. Absolutely. So good answers.
0: We have probably thousands of more questions, but thank you. This has been incredible. I want to shift now because you know, we, we have a focus on a nonprofit on each of our podcasts and we ask our guests now, since we're having guests, uh, any near and dear to their heart and Brooke finding out that you are on the board, uh, of a nonprofit. Well, why wouldn't we talk about that nonprofit and a very important one and doing great work at that. So tell us about Hennepin healthcare.
3: Yeah, so I'm on the board of the Hennepin Healthcare Foundation, which is the nonprofit arm of Hennepin Healthcare as many people in the Twin Cities might know, more historically as HCMC, which is still the hospital, but the whole system now is called Hennepin Healthcare, and the Hennepin Healthcare Foundation is this nonprofit arm of it, and we have so many initiatives that we're working on, but one that I've really become super passionate about is the Red Leaf Center for Family Healing. It's this brand new Center Smack Dab in the middle of downtown Minneapolis it's across the street from the US Bank Viking Stadium and it is a 360 degree holistic center aimed at providing support for families with children ages 0 to 5 and this is perinatal prenatal postnatal support or postpartum support for moms, dads, siblings, partners. And it's not just the kind of traditional medical view. The Redleaf Center is offering a huge focus on mental health services, nutrition services, East meets West, yoga, meditation, and how all of these parts and pieces of the puzzle fit together to support families during this really challenging time, whether you are, you know, a, a family with two working parents and two kids, or if you are a family with no working parents and five kids, the Red Leaf Center is aimed to serve everyone in our community. And it's really just a beautiful way to support moms, dads, partners, aunts, uncles, kids, siblings, friends. It's it's a very special place. And one of, I believe there are only maybe six or seven similar centers uh, like this in the United States. It's anchored by a pediatrician with a focus on nutrition, Dr. Diana Cutts, and then a um, maternal health psychiatrist, Dr. Helen Kim, who just has been doing sensational work to, to lift up women and parents in our community.
0: Fantastic. And as a new grandma again, and watching our daughter with her first child you forget just the, the stressors that happen and to have a team of people that are available at any socioeconomic level, but especially those downtown Minneapolis and you look at surrounding areas
3: of who's really going to benefit from this. It's the people that need it most. Absolutely. It, it really is um, remarkable how the team has structured the Red Leaf Center for Family Healing to touch on you know, just kind of every layer of, of the word care as you need it during these early years of parenting. Well,
0: thank you for beautiful. That is. And thank you for, for donating your time to that foundation. That's they're lucky to have you. And we have been so lucky to have both of you, Brooke, I'm going to have to make an appointment. Let's just, I'll just say it, (laughs) say it on the air. So anybody can hold me to it is
3: how, and, and so then that brings up a good point. How do people get a hold of you? If people want to get in touch with us, the two easiest ways to do so are either via email, info at or via Instagram. Our handle is at the skin Thank
0: you. Any last words of advice? You both look beautiful. You're doing many things right. Thanks so much for being with us. We're
2: so appreciative. Thank you for having us.
1: Thanks, guys. Have a wonderful day. And I just love having you on. You are fantastic.
2: Oh, thank you, Lisa.
1: (laughs) Lisa, they are as fantastic as you said they were going to be. I am so happy and they're just so smart and so informative. And I just love how they think about skincare
0: and the access, you know, the belief that the access is for everyone and that that's really important. And it doesn't have to be an incredible list of expensive products. It's more about the process of doing something and finding what works for you, which I love and I go to them personally. Well, I think I'm going to be joining you. So (laughs) I've got to get on that and go see Brooke and drink
1: water, Katie.
0: Lots of water. I, we didn't talk about that, Lisa. You're right. And I do think water is one of the keys to healthy skin healthy, everything. That's true too. I tell you just on point today. So I promise I'm going to go get my skin check because it's skin cancer awareness month. And it really is important. And I need to practice what I preach. And this was enlightening on so many levels. So I'll do that. So, so Lisa, being that you are very on point today, tell me this, if somebody wants to get to us fastest to hear our incredible podcasts, this just being one of them, how do they do that?
1: The view in your is the easiest way to do it. Or yeah. you can go to any podcast platform and type in the view in your mirror and you can listen to us.
0: Yes, we should come up. We might be missing from a random few, but I think for the most part, and also we really, really want to encourage people to subscribe to whatever, whatever their podcast platform is to go on and subscribe because that definitely helps us. And as we just talked to two incredible pros on the whole Instagram game, we could only be so lucky. We hope people find us on Instagram, The View in Your Mirror. Uh, what else are we on? Twitter? Pinterest, Facebook, and of course, LinkedIn. LinkedIn. LinkedIn has been very good to us. I think you have a lot of really great contacts and connections on LinkedIn, and that's helped tremendously. And all of those connections help us, find us, follow us, tweet us, Instagram us. And Lisa, if people want to get a hold of us, how do they do that?
1: You can get a hold of me at lisa at wardrobeconsulting.net. And for you, Katie, it's katie at katieharms.com.
0: The view in your mirror, whoever you are, is the most important view as you set your intent for the day. So whatever you see is going to affect you, positive or negative. It's about what you bring out to the world. And you are the only person unique you. So put that smile on your face, put that intent in your heart that it's going to be the best day. And we know the view in your mirror will be exceptional. Thank you so much for joining us till next time.